I'm Mary Ann Nedbalik with Nedbalik Farm in Sinton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas corn growers are happy to see the U.S. Trade Representative's office challenge the Mexican biotech corn ban. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas Panhandle town of Perryton is recovering from a deadly tornado that struck that town late last week. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on Texas Ag today. It's a tough time for those in the pork business. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll look at the situation from a Texas Panhandle perspective. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is in a, well, kind of a weather warp. Still seeing a lot of thunderstorms developing in Mexico, and those are making their way into the valley. Plus that more in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Trade Representative's Office recently announced that it's moving forward with the challenge to Mexico's biotech corn ban. That's a move that Texas corn growers are happy to see, according to Texas Corn Producers Association President Jim Shugarek. Gary, we're real excited to hear about that. We're happy Ms. Ty is getting more involved with the process. Uh, I actually spent the last two hours in a grain tank shipping out the last of 22 corn headed for Mexico. So it's vitally important to this part of the world. Shugarik farms in the Texas coastal bend, where he says 95% of their corn crop goes to Mexico. So keeping that market open is vital for South Texas farmers and the rest of the country. It's more than just South Texas. I mean, Mexico is the biggest importer of corn we have. They are our biggest market nationwide for corn. A mediation panel is supposed to take up the complaint later this summer. The cotton market has traded in about a 10-cent range from around 75 to 85 cents now for several months. And it may stay there for the rest of the year unless we get another big weather event. Cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland. As we look at new crop, and again, I'm making the assumption that we do get improved moisture on the plains. Uh, and I think that tends to limit our new crop December or the December contract to the somewhere between 85 cents and lower 
the more moisture we receive within the next six weeks, the lower that price will go and can tend, uh, trend down to a 75 cent level. The less moisture we receive in that time period, we can, we can hold the 80 cent level and move higher. Cleveland says all eyes are on the Texas High Plains right now to see what kind of crop develops after the recent big rains. If you raise sheep or goats in Texas, you have to deal with predators. It's estimated that 10 to 15 percent of the lambs and kids born in Texas are lost to the varmints. Texas Congressman August Fluger of San Angelo says he'd like to see the 2023 Farm Bill address predator issues for sheep and goat producers. Uh, We're going to be looking at predation. I'd like to make this a more permanent issue. I want to look at um, every aspect of countering predation from guard dogs uh, to any other tactic so that producers have the tools they need, the research that they deserve, uh, and the ability to protect uh, their livelihoods and, quite frankly, the security issue of our food for this country. Fluger says predation has been addressed in previous farm bills, but he'd like to see it strengthened and made a permanent part of the bill. The Texas panhandle town of Perryton is picking up the pieces after a devastating tornado hit the town last week. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a farm leader there for an update. We go to the town of Perryton in the Texas Panhandle, and David Peckinpah is our guest. He is Ockletree County Farm Bureau President. David also raises cattle and uh, corn and wheat in the county. And David, as we do this interview to talk about this deadly tornado that hit your town late Thursday afternoon, June 15th, at least three people uh, have been reported to have been killed. At least two people are still missing dozens are injured. What does the situation look like at this time? In the town of Perryton, on the north end of Main Street, there's unbelievable amount of debris, torn up buildings and leveled buildings. At the present time, we're in the progress of clearing the streets and clearing the alleys and trying to restore electricity. Now, the Ockletree Farm Bureau office was one of those many buildings that was destroyed. That is correct. It's totally destroyed. What have you heard about the impact on area agriculture at this point? I know that I have some friends that receive some hail, but it's not a devastating amount. All of our wheat crop in this county is almost non-existent on the dryland side. I'm not too sure about how many producers got their irrigated wheat destroyed. Your town of 8,200 population has uh, certainly been dealt a devastating blow from this tornado. More than 200 homes have been destroyed. Two and a half blocks of downtown have been destroyed along with the businesses. There are people from surrounding towns showed up with construction equipment. There's trucks hauling stuff off, trailers hauling stuff off, people boarding up windows. That is David Peckinpah. He is the Ockletree County Farm Bureau president joining us today from Perryton. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's a tough time for those in the pork business. James Hunt takes a look at how Texas Panhandle pork producers are doing. As we've been talking about a lot, things are going pretty well right now for people in the cattle business, and that is especially good news here in the Texas High Plains. But even though we are commonly referred to as cattle country, our region is also home to a lot of pork operations, especially in the northern panhandle. And for pork, the story is quite different. While cattle prices are pretty high at the present time, hog prices are in a significant slump. 
Here's how Peter Baumert of the Texas Pork Producers Association describes his industry situation. The economic conditions are poor right now. Input costs with corn and soybean meal remain high, and carcass values, you know, remain low. It's kind of a unique time, really. Rarely in the past have we had both the farmer and the packer losing money at the same time, like they are now. It's a strange time, really, economically in the pork industry, so... There's going to be a lot of liquidation. Uh, I don't think that'll be a lot in the Texas Panhandle, but there will be a lot of liquidation in Oklahoma and across the rest of the nation. Now, in the comments you just heard, Baumert seemed to suggest that our pork operations in the Texas Panhandle are perhaps in a better position than the industry is as a whole. I asked him, what makes that so? The fact of the matter is the Texas Panhandle has a higher percentage of company-owned sow farms and farms that are owned by larger corporations have the ability to weather storms better than uh, smaller companies or family farms. I mean, those are the cold hard facts. Once again, that was Peter Baumert of Dalhart, the president-elect of the Texas Pork Producers Association. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is still seeing some spring storms. Jim Hearn has more from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley is right now in kind of a flux. We're seeing thunderstorms develop almost on a nightly basis in the mountains of Mexico, and then they move down the valley, down the river toward the valley. Now, we haven't seen a lot of rain with that, but I go back to an earlier report that I made. The National Weather Service said that we were going to be mirrored in a pretty bad drought from roughly March through June. And it hasn't happened. Matter of fact, if you look at the valley crops, cotton, corn, mallow, dry land, irrigated, there's not a lot of difference between them. I think we're still on track for our first bale of cotton later in the month. What we're seeing right now is pretty well a status quo. Now, pretty soon, though, we will start seeing the weather patterns switch around to the Gulf of Mexico. The Gulf is plenty hot to kick something up if we get a low-pressure area or any type of little funny activity in the area. So for right now, we're looking to see you know we can keep this going because the longer we can keep these crops going, the better off we're going to be. And we've got some bumper crops in the making. And as I always say, it kind of looks scary good at this point in time. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. This time of year, we're likely to see an increase in the number of turtles attempting to cross a road. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on how we can help these turtles coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have a horse that's not performing as well as you'd expect, there could be several things causing that. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a horse that is not performing as well as you'd expect, there could be several things causing that. And Dr. Bob Judd says there are some less common causes that may be the problem. Equine asthma is one of these less common causes. If your horse coughs intermittently at the beginning of exercise, it is possible mild equine asthma could be involved. Previously, this was called inflammatory airway disease. And although these horses are not sick and don't have a serious issue, it can cause a decrease in performance. I would recommend having your equine vet perform an exam and place a scope in the trachea to assess the amount of mucus that is present. Using a tube to collect fluid out of the airway is also a good idea. If mild asthma is involved, using a nasal inhaler before exercise can make a big difference in performance. Another respiratory condition affecting performance is exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage, or bleeding in the lungs with exercise. This is common in racehorses, but also occurs in a lot of other performance horses. This condition is diagnosed just like asthma by placing a scope in the airway and examining airway cells. If a horse is bleeding during exercise, furosemide can be used to decrease bleeding before exercise if it is legal to be used in the specific event in which you are performing. Another respiratory issue involves a mass in the throat area, displacement of the soft palate, epiglottic entrapment, or collapse of the retinoid cartilages. Horses with these upper airway obstructions usually have difficulty breathing in versus horses that have trouble breathing out, which usually indicates the problem is in the lungs. Join me next time for more causes of decreased performance in horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We tend to see more turtles on the road at this time of year. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you've been on the road recently, chances are you might have seen a turtle or two attempting to cross the road. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, this time of year, many species of wildlife, including turtles, are on the move thanks to the warmer weather. In Texas, June is typically peak turtle nesting season. And we often find female turtles on the move looking for a nesting site or on their way back to a nest. So what should we do if we find a turtle slowly trying to make its way across a roadway? Well, U.S. Fish and Wildlife says first, you should always keep your safety and the safety of others in mind if you do decide to try to give a turtle a helping hand. Look out for oncoming vehicles and signal properly if you plan to pull over and pay attention to your surroundings before you attempt to help save an animal. Second, be very careful if you plan to move an animal as it could be injured or even bite you depending on the species. 
FWS warns that sometimes, if it is possible, the best thing to do is just stand guard as the turtle crosses the road on its own. If a turtle does need to be moved, you should move it to the other side of the road in the same direction that the turtle was headed. You can use a car mat to help the turtle cross the road without actually picking it up. Place the mat under the turtle and slide it in the direction that it was going. Do not pick up the turtle by its tail. You may frighten it, prompting it to bite you. It could also seriously injure the turtle. Also, do not take the turtle with you. Simply focus on helping it get to the other side of the road. And if the turtle is injured, you may want to consider taking it to a wildlife rehabber in a cardboard box or contacting a Texas Parks and Wildlife Department biologist. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Our agricultural markets were closed Monday for the holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. Coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The markets were closed on Monday for the federal holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. We wrapped up the trading week with a higher close in the cattle market Friday, despite the fact that the corn market continues to climb sharply higher. Both feeder cattle and live cattle ended in positive territory Friday. June live cattle up 77 cents, 178.35. The August up 65 at 171.72. October up a dollar at 175.35. On the feeder cattle trade, August feeders were up 80 cents Friday, closing at 234.92. September up 65 at 238.17, with October feeders up 50 cents to 40.30. Cash fed cattle market was somewhat quiet last week, but we did see some light sales here in the Southern Plains on Friday. Those cattle sold at 182. That's three bucks lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were higher on Friday. Choice up a dollar two, three forty three oh nine. Select up a dollar thirty seven at three ten ninety five. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, my guest. Jordan Cattle Auction. San Saba, Texas, how did the Thursday sale go? Uh, we had right at 2,606 head of cattle today, based on most of them all new crops. Uh, the calves, a lot of those cattle were weaned and then weaned 30 to 69 days, kind of depending on what sets they were. I thought all the stalker steers after last week's big increase, they were all steady to maybe $3 lower. We didn't have quite as many of those real high, high end. Some of it was due to the condition, too. We had a group of 14 steers, weighed 598 on the stalker side, brought 261 right at um, $1,561 on those. I thought overall stocker heifers price will steady to three to four dollars lower, uh, just because of the flesh condition on some of these really new crop calves that were uh, just a very very good condition today, uh, flesh wise. Overall, 
the feeder steers, I thought they were steady to $4 higher. I had a really good choice group of 56 steers, Angus steers in one group. Weighed seven fifty three at two twenty and a half, dollared out sixteen hundred and sixty dollars and some change. I thought you get into the feeder heifers, they were probably five to seven dollars higher. Had a group of uh, five heifers, weighed seven seventy six at two oh three, right at fifteen hundred and seventy five dollars a little change. Give the packer cows, I thought, and bulls, they were all fully steady. Pairs of red cows were also steady. Top pairs they had a really good set of black baldy pairs, first kept. And I had bulls back with them, young kids on the side. They brought 2,600. So, really, Larry, very good day. Want to compliment all of our buyers and sellers. Very good day today at the, the, the market and the way it is. Tell everybody how to contact you, Ken. You bet. Uh, give us a call, Larry, code 325-372-5159. Thank you, Ken, and thank you, Texas Neighbor, for listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and this program, Walking the Pins. You're doing so on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. July hogs up 92 cents at 92.85. August up 37 at 90.67. Class 3 milk was mixed. The June contract up a penny, 14.94 a hundredweight, while July milk was down 7, 15.31 a hundred. The cotton market has been searching for direction. Throughout last week's trade, we closed out on Friday higher. A lot of different factors pulling both ways on this market. So we wrapped it up with July cotton up 82 points, 81.46. The lightly traded October up 17 at 82.05. And December cotton was up 50 points, ending the week at 80.10 cents. We have seen an explosion in the grain markets. The corn market leading the way higher. Due to dry weather concerns in the Midwest, in fact, 57% of the U.S. corn crop now said to be experiencing some form of drought. And that has the corn market very nervous. July corn up 17 cents Friday, closing at 640 and a quarter. September corn up 24 cents, 594 a bushel, with December corn climbing 23 cents, 594 and a half. The wheat market is along for the ride. It moved higher along with the corn market Friday. July Kansas City wheat up 29 and a quarter, 8.42 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 26 and a half at 6.88 a bushel. In the energy markets Friday, July natural gas down five cents at 2.57. July West Texas crude down a dollar three, 70.75 a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday. The Dow down 108 points at 34,299. The Nasdaq down 93, 13,689, with the S&P down 16 at 4,409. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.